You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. All right. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm a Texas native, so you're going to hear a little bit of Texan come out of me. I've tried to hide it a little bit. I uh, was, when I was 19, I joined the Navy. I moved to Washington, D.C., and everybody knew I was from the South, so I'm going to try to hide my accent a little bit, but it's good to be here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You're already here, and so we just ask that you would just increase your presence and uh, increase our awareness of you. So, Father, we just thank you. Thank you that you are the teacher. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I welcome you to speak through me. Jesus, we invite you into this room to show us the Father and to show us who we are in you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, like Jeremy said, uh, I'm here. I'm going to talk on praise. And uh, sometimes, you know, like uh, even like tonight, you know, sometimes our, the upper room culture can be kind of like, where are we going? Anybody ever felt like that sometimes? Like we get started and you're kind of thinking, where are we going? What are we doing? Well, there's purpose in what we're doing. And so tonight I just felt like I, I needed to give you guys a little bit of like handlebars um, to what sometimes we as worship leaders are doing. And then also I just want to really give you some uh, r- things that have really impacted my life over the last probably 15 to 17 years. Um, and praise is, it's, it's the biggest thing that's impacted my life. I often tell people, um, you know, the Bible and the, the church really focuses on living a lifestyle of worship, but I feel like where we've really lacked is teaching on praise. And I feel like I'm hardwired to worship. How many of you ever feel like that? I'm, I'm, I'm naturally hardwired to worship. I can, uh, we could walk outside right now and look up in the sky and worship. We could see things, even like, how many of you are like that? When you, you could walk outside in nature, you, you're designed. I like that language. I'm hardwired to worship. And where I felt like I've had to navigate my heart and my life, my soul, is in the place of praise. But I found the most breakthrough in the place of praise. Anybody else testify to that? And so uh, some of the stories I'm just going to share tonight are just some, some places that I've had, I've had breakthrough personally in the place of praise. Um, it's just some stories of revelation that I felt like the Lord has just shared with me across the uh, scan of my life and with my kids, my family. The Lord shows me a lot through my family. You're going to hear some of those stories tonight. And, um, but I had two cool stories that I really wanted to tell you. The first one was uh, I was getting ready today, and I was looking through my Bible. This is a new Bible. I just got it uh, about a month ago. And um, you ever had little things that you want or you desired? And um, the Lord kind of met you in January. Um, I had had a, I had a ratty Bible, like or, you know, like is that is that a, was that the word ratty? It was like the outside was just really torn up, and um, but I loved it. Like inside, it was marked up, and um, and I've had it for about ten years. And so um, we've had a relationship with um, Radiant Church in um, Michigan, and some of the guys have gone up there, and the pastor. Uh, up there, whenever they go up there, he gives them a Bible. And I was up there in January, and I was doing a little songwriting retreat with some of their guys, and um, I was sharing a room with Bo. You know, everybody know Bo? He leads worship up here sometimes. He was here this morning. So I was, I was sharing a room with Bo. Well, I had, showed up the, I had showed up a day late, and so the night before, all of the three guys that were there, the three or four guys that were there, 
uh, had a meeting with the pastor and he gave them all Bibles. And so I get to the room and they're all saying like, oh, they gave it, he gave us this Bible. Well, at one point I'm in the room and Bo had left to go work out and I was in the room and he's got this Bible over there sitting over there in his, like his stuff. And I was being kind of nosy and I walked over and I held his Bible and I looked at it and I was like, man, that's such a nice Bible. Like, you know how you do, like you, and nobody's watching me. So I'm like, I know I can covet, you know, so I, and so if he was there, I wouldn't have coveted, you know. And so I'm looking at the Bible, and I'm going, man, that's a really nice. I'm, and I'm actually thinking, I really want this Bible. I really want this Bible. And I didn't tell him. I didn't say anything to him. I kind of kept making hints to people because sometimes they don't want Bibles, you know. So I, I would make hints across the couple of days that we were there. And, um, and so I get back, and it was, this was like a month ago. So Bo didn't want the Bible. He gives the Bible to his wife, Stacy. And about a month ago, Stacy comes up to me and she says, the Lord told me to give you this Bible. This is the Bible. This was the same Bible that I held in the room and looked at it and go, I like this Bible. I, I, I kind of want this Bible. I wonder if Bo wants it or not. And so, like, it's the very same Bible. And it's marked up a little bit. Stacy marked it up. She's got a note in there. And so I've just kept it in there just as a sign of the goodness of the Lord that he heard me in a little hotel room in Kalamazoo say a little thing, a little passing prayer to him about I was coveting, you know. He heard me covet, and he said, I want to give that to you. So anyway, uh, so if it takes me a little bit longer to find Scripture tonight, it's because it's a new Bible, and I'm still trying to find my way around it. So, um, And then the second story, this you guys are going to love this story. I don't know if Jeremy shares this story much or um, if you guys have heard it. How many of you have been in Frisco since the beginning, like since the beginning when you, when you first started coming up here? A few of you. Um, in one of our first services up here, I think it was either a night of worship or maybe one of the first services that we had, um, even the chairs were different. We, the same chairs, but there was, a, there was a section down the middle. You could walk up and down the middle. And uh, I was here that night. I led worship that night. And um, Ryan Crow, he comes, I think, comes in the morning, I think. And uh, me and him and his wife um, were hanging out afterwards. And I think everybody had left. And it was just the three of us here. I don't. I think he was going to lock up. I don't know who was going to lock up. I was just here. Hopefully he locked up. <laughs> and we were standing back by the sound booth right back there. And we were talking and we were talking about what the Lord, he was telling me a little bit of prophetic history about what was, what the Lord had showed him in Frisco. And as he was talking, this is what I want you to hear. As he was talking about what the, what he felt like the Lord wanted to do in Frisco, gold dust was started on a, on a seat right next to him. And I've, I'm, I've never seen Goldust in my life up to this point. And so I'm standing there and I'm watching Goldust. It starts on one chair. It starts like right here on one chair. And then we're sitting there and we watch it go to the next seat, go to the next seat, go to the next seat, go all the way down the aisle. And then it jumps to the next aisle and then it goes down the aisle and we're, we're just as amazed. I mean, like, you, I know you're hearing the story, but, like, I mean, for somebody who's, like, I don't, I don't see that kind of stuff just all the time. I've never seen that. Gold dust. Um, it, it marked me, and it, it marked this room. And so we were walking around. At one point, Ryan was up here, and I said, Ryan, you've got it on your nose. And he had had, a, like, a big gold dust, like, right here on his nose. 
and he would wipe it away, but it wouldn't go away. He and his wife and me were both laughing at him. And, uh, and so as this gold dust is filling his face, you could see it just kind of on the, on the side of his hair, on the side of his face. This is what Ryan said, and this is what I, the part I want you to hear. He said, this is the Lord saying there's gold in Frisco. These, the people that are going to sit in these chairs, there's gold in them. And so I just want to stand here tonight uh, as, I'm, as I've been asked to speak, and I just want to honor what not only Jeremy is doing, but I want to honor what the Lord is doing here. And so I want to say to you, the people that are in these seats, you're gold, and there's gold in you. And you may, not, you may be in a season, I don't know what season you're in, you may be in a season where you don't feel like you're not, you're not worth much, but I'm telling you, you're in this seat for a reason because God wants to tell you that you're gold and there's gold in you. And what he has for planned for you in this city is gold. And it's worth something. It's worth a value to him. And he just, I feel like it was just a little gift. It was a sign and a wonder to us. I mean, like, and just sure enough, sure enough, as it like appeared all across the seats, like we watched it, we were sitting here watching it. And as we were just about to leave, we stopped, kind of stopped talking and like it just, it went away. It was amazing. And so let me just thank the Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you for that. I thank you that you just gave us just a little, uh, a little vision of what was in your heart for the people that are in this room and a vision for the people that are in this city. And so, Father, I thank you and I agree with what's in your heart. I thank you uh, for showing that. And I ask that you would just show us more of what's in your heart for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say praise. 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 praise for heaviness, right? How many of you have ever been heavy and you just felt like, how many of you ever felt like, man, I don't want to praise <laughs> right now, right? You don't, I don't want to praise. Um, well, I, uh, I want to start and then I want to come back to this. I want to talk about pillars. Um, one of the things I've been learning in my life is pillars. And the reason I've learned this and I'm, or I'm learning this and developing pillars in my life is because I can find myself doing things churchy. Everybody, anybody ever, can you agree? Like you just, we say churchy things sometimes. And sometimes, you know, like in the realms of, in the realm of worship and praise, we can just, sometimes we can say, come on, just begin to give him thanks. And how many of you, I found myself doing this when we, when a worship leader or a pastor, they say, come on, just begin to give him thanks. I could start to go, where do I start? You know, and almost it's daunting to just, go enter in because it's like, well, where do I start with? And almost pillars, or you, uh, I, I call them different names. I call them pillars. I call them altars. I call them stones of remembrance. You know, in the Old Testament, they would put up stones whenever the Lord would do something. And this is really where I got the idea, and the Lord showed me this, is whenever they would, whenever the Lord would do something, what would they do? They'd put up stones. Why? So that they could, whenever they pass by those stones, they would remember what the Lord had done. And so what I've developed in my life, and this is what I want you to do, and we're going to come back to this at the end, and I want you to start writing down some things or just get in your mind to start thinking about some things, is I have some specific pillars. So I, it doesn't take me as long to engage into praise or it doesn't take me as long to engage in worship. Does that make sense? So I can immediately just, I can close my eyes. If Jeremy said, come on, let's just begin to thank the Lord. I immediately, this is what I do. I, want, I immediately close my eyes, and then I think about these pillars. I have pillars, and they're all associated to an age. At 14 years old, I went with my parents to a night of worship in Lindale, Texas, and Dennis Jernigan was leading worship. Now, I won't tell you my whole testimony, but up until I was about 14 years old, did I say that? 
I was about 14 years old, and I had experienced some abuse in my family, some sexual abuse. And the Lord really wanted to touch that place of deliverance and freedom for me. And he sent, I don't know if you know Dennis Jernigan, but Dennis Jernigan uh, lived a life in homosexuality, and the Lord miraculously delivered him. And so he just, he would go around, and he would sing these songs of just freedom. And it was so powerful, and so he's up there that night, and I had never in my life experienced someone telling a story of shame and freedom. If the Lord, and I sat there in that seat in Lindell, Texas, and I thought, if the Lord can do this for him, he, and I knew this, for, I was in church my whole life, I knew the Lord didn't love Dennis any more than he loved me. So if the Lord could do that for Dennis, I knew that he could do this for me, and it was the first time in my life I ever saw a door of light open that I could run through. So for me, I could spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but in for me, the age of 14 is a pillar. So if Jeremy said to me, let's just go in and let's begin to thank the Lord. Lord, I thank you that at the I thank you that when I was lost, you miraculously brought me into life. And it's not some churchy language that I'm using because we would use that, right? It's, I'm actually saying, I remember being 14, translated from darkness into life. So Lord, and then, and then I'll, just, I'll just kind of start there. Lord, I thank you that you brought me from darkness into life. I thank you that you saw me when I was 14 years old, that you knew me when I was 14 years old, that you knew every place of shame. In, and so you see how the, now, the, now the language starts to just flow. Does that make sense? So these altars and these pillars start to develop. Another one for me is 26 years old. 26 was the first time in my life I had ever met the Father's love. I knew the Father my whole life. I never knew his love for me. My whole life, up to 26 years old, was spinning my wheels trying to get God's approval by works. And I met the Father's love by a guy named Jack Frost. Anybody heard of Jack Frost? Jack Frost was ministering, and I met the Father's love for the first time ever in my life. 26 is another pillar for me. 33 is another pillar for me. Something happened at 33, and it was life-changing. Something happened at 35. Is, is this making sense? I, I don't want to spend a lot of time even on, on these things. I just want to, I want to give you an idea so your mind can start thinking about, man, when we start, when the moment worship started tonight, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we, the, the worship, we were kind of like, and sometimes in, in, in our culture, we can kind of go, what's happening? What are we doing? And I want to give us handlebars to that's the moment right there to go, Lord, I thank you when I was 33. I thank you that, man, there was a shaking in my family. And you know what I mean? Like there was a shaking in my family, but the shaking was all to unearth some things that had just, I had covered up. So Lord, I thank you. Ooh, you, you know what I mean? Like then real life, real language from my own heart begins to come out. Does that make sense? And then my, like, like the blurry vision of religion or the blurry vision of just, I don't know where, confusion sometimes maybe where I'm at, it begins to like wipe away and wash away. And then I go, thank you, Lord, thank you. And then all of it leads to a current place. Lord, I thank you that you saw me when I was 14. If you saw me when I was 14, you, and then you just almost begin to start preaching to yourself. And does that make sense? And this is what I want to get to, and, and I'm going to give you five benefits of praise tonight. So if you're taking notes, I want you to take notes. I'm going to give you five benefits of praise, but this is outside the benefit of praise. So everybody knows what Psalm 100 verse 4 says, right? Psalm 100 verse 4 says what? Come into his presence with thanksgiving, enter his gates with, or in his courts with praise, right? 
And we're going to talk a lot about the benefits of praise, all right? And how many of you, when I say that word benefits, benefits of praise? How many of you kind of don't like that? When I first heard it, I was like, benefits of praise? That sounds yucky, like a little bit. Like, I don't want to worship because there, I don't want to praise because there's benefits. But guess what? When I go to take a job, what's one of the questions I'm going to ask the employer or somebody that I'm interviewing? How much money am I going to get? What's the second question I'm going to ask? What's, do I have benefits? What are those benefits, right? And so those are very important for you if you take a job, all right? And so there are benefits, and, I'm, and so, I don't want to think, like, have that word, think. I don't want you to think, oh, that's ugly. I want you to actually see some really great benefits to actually entering in. Lord, I thank you that when I was 14. What I want to talk about first is, this is not the first benefits, but you can take notes. What I have found in my life, and this is the goodness of the Lord, I want you to hear this, is for a long time I thought, man, these, the Lord's demanding praise from me. Like, you know, like he's, this is a God who just, he demands praise. And what I started to see, the more that I praised, was actually the gates of praise were actually a benefit and a gift more for me. What I actually see sometimes like in our prayer sets or like on Sunday is I can come in, can anybody else do this? I can kind of come in a little soulish. And when I say that, I know you've been in church for a long time, but I can kind of come in thinking like on an earthly earthly level. Does that make sense? And if we were gonna go into like, uh, like if we were gonna look at the old, ta- the old Testament and the tabernacle, you'd find like the priest would come in through the gates, they'd, they'd, wash, they'd walk up, they'd walk up to the laver. Everybody remember all these things, the laver, all this, all this exodus, all this stuff. Um, Deuteronomy, wherever it's at, the, 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 the altar, there's the laver, they go into the inner courts, there's the table of showbread, you know, all these things, all these, all these duties that they had to carry out. And so sometimes I think to myself, what the Lord actually wants at the gates is to wash me of some soulish things because inside of the gates, he has some really high stuff that he wants me to think about. It's almost like what I think about is like he's saying to me the same thing he said to John. John, come up higher. Remember in Revelations, he's saying, John, come up higher. I wanna show you things above. I wanna show you things that you I've not shown anyone before. And sometimes in worship, the Lord wants to show us things and he uses the gates to actually wash us. Because the moment I start thanking the Lord for what happened at 14, I actually see my current circumstance differently and I begin to be washed and then I see God clearly for who he is and I can enter into a higher place where he dwells. So I've actually seen God shift from this demanding God who demands praise to a loving, caring father who actually just wants to wash me through my thanksgiving to him. Isn't this beautiful? It totally changes your perspective of the Lord. You know, he's not an oppressive father demanding something from you. He's actually a loving father wanting you to wash you from the cares of this world. Isn't this good? This is not even in my notes, and this like this is this is powerful, right? And so like this lifestyle of praise. Everybody say praise. praise. So the first benefit of praise, I want you to write this down, is number one, God inhabits. I think you got the notes. There you go. God inhabits the praises of His people. The King James Version says in Psalm 22. I'm I'm going to butcher this. 
But this is where we, how many of you ever heard worship people or, or church people say, come on, let's, let's lift our hand. God inhabits the praises of his people. Where we get that from the King James, it says that God inhabiteth, inhabiteth, inhabiteth. <laughs> God inhabiteth the praises of his people. It says, yet you, uh, other versions say this. I think the English Standard Version, do you have it? Yes, English Standard Version says, yet you are holy. Read this word with me enthroned on the praises of Israel, enthroned on the praises of Israel. So if we take these two words, inhabit and enthrone, this is what the Lord showed me. This is what I want you to see. Inhabit is the word where we get live, dwell. I mean, maybe that's a kind of a, a far off word, and he inhabits the praise of his people. Even we can say that sometimes and think, man, that's great. What does that mean? It actually means that he lives in the praises of his people. He dwells in the praises of his people. I'll never forget, this is, I, I had a, it was 2008, I was 29 years old, and I had got hired at CFNI. I'd led, led worship for years before, uh, and I was graduating from CFNI. And um, I got hired, never taught, everybody listen, I never taught a day in my life. And I get hired at CFNI to be a teacher. Some of you are being like, what is this institute? Where is this college at? People who hadn't taught. I had never taught a day in my life. I get hired to be a teacher. And so I thought I knew a lot about worship until I started teaching about worship. And I found out I know nothing about worship. I don't know anything about worship. And so the Lord, this is what would happen. I would, I would start teaching on these principles and like I would teach this, God inhabits the praise of his people. And I would look up that word, live. Well, that's, God live. how many of you, like, that's pretty powerful, right? God lives in the praises of his people, right? And so, like, I would just think about that. And there would be days where I just dwell. God, God lives, he lives in the praises of his people. He dwells, he makes his dwelling place in the praises of his people. That's amazing. And so, like, that word live would mess with me. And this is what the Lord would show me. We would, uh, I have four kids. My oldest is 17. His name is Evan. I'm gonna use him a couple times. And so when Evan, he was 17, when he was around eight or nine years old, we went to SeaWorld. And at this point I had been teaching on praise. I've been teaching on worship for a couple years, probably. And, um, and we're at SeaWorld and Evan had never ridden a roller coaster in his life up until this point. Now, how many of you ever been to SeaWorld? Right, amazing place. Little side story, uh, you know, you know when you go on vacation, there's like build up, especially when you have kids, and it's like, you know, it's a lot of work, you know. Well, we, the first night we went to Shamu, and you know, it's emotional. You know what I mean? They play that music when they play that music, and you're like, oh. it's like, and I look over, the music's playing, and like. You know, one sea and one void, you know, like however they do it. Like, you know, one ocean and all this stuff. Shamu, up to the middle. You know, you know you've all been there. Or if you haven't, you got to go. You got to go. It's like he comes up, boom, he breaks through the water, does a big flip, splashes. And I look over at my wife, and my wife is bawling in tears. She's so emotional. <laughs> and I go, I said, are you, are you okay? And she goes, God. So there was major breakthrough at SeaWorld. And so this is what, what happened. The next day, the next day, 
because we went there, we got there late. We went there to that, to that show, and then we left, and we came back the next morning. So in the in the morning, I would I took my son on his first roller coaster. It wasn't really a roller coaster. It's one of those water rides where it, it's a big boat, you know, holds about 20 people, and it goes up, and then it comes down and splashes everybody that's on the bridge. And uh, and so I take him on this ride, and listen, I am not thinking about God. I'm not thinking in this moment. I'm not thinking about God. I'm not thinking about this word live, that God lives in the praises of his people, Right? But I had been meditating on it for a couple years, and I'd just been thinking, man, God lives. God, I want to, and I would, I remember praying, God, I want to know what that means. Like, I know what it means, like, just to hear it, but I want to know what it means, like, that you, that you live. You live in the praises of his people. And so we're on this ride. This is the way God will surprise you, right? You'll be at SeaWorld, and you'll be on a ride with your son or your daughter, Right, and so we're on a, we're on the ride, and I can tell he's a little nervous, and I'm holding his hand. And the ride at SeaWorld is a little bit different. You go up, and then they turn you, and then you, they do this little little dip, and you come back around, and then they turn you frontwards, and you go back down. And so on the dip, I'm holding his hand, and I could tell he's real nervous. And um, and so we get up to the top, and here we go, and we're sitting in the very back, and there's probably about 10, 15 other people on the ride. And so you know the. Click, 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 click. You know, you're coming up that sound. So it's all building up. And Evan's nervous. I look over at him. You know, eyes are real wide. We get to the top. We're coming down. Boom, we hit the water. And he let go of my hand at some point. I don't remember him letting go of my hand. But he lets go of my hand. And then all of a sudden, out of, I don't know where this sound is coming from, but I hear somebody yell, I've never felt so alive! <laughs> And I look, I look over at my son, and it's my son, Evan, and he's got it. I mean, the ride is done, but he's got his hands up in the air, and I'm thinking, in my mind, now listen, I know some of you, Jacob, I know you know Evan. Evan is like, he's, he is like this. You know, like he's, he's not moved by much. And so like, even at eight, you know, you can see their kind of, their, their personality and their character, you know, and so I'm, this is totally out of personality for him, it's totally out of character for him to do this. And so, but listen, as immediately, this is how the Lord will show up in your life. If you start to dwell on things and ask the Lord, this, remember, I'm teaching on praise. I really don't know what it means. I'm, I'm just learning. I want to learn. Lord, what is, you live in the praise of his people. When Evan says this, I hear the Lord say, that's me in your praise. It's me in your praise. Now, I want you to put that in context to where that's much higher than I live in the praises of my people. The heart of the Father, when you start to go, Lord, I thank you for when I was 14. I thank you that you brought me, you translated me from darkness to life, that you, I was completely wrapped in shame and you brought me out of shame. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for, well, in, what were we singing tonight? In the highest, of, in, the, in the lowest of the lowest valleys, in the highest of the highest mountains. And when my, when my mouth and my, my vocal cords begin to sing and I begin to clap my hands or I begin to dance like, like the little girl, Jussie, the little girl come up here and she had no guile in her and she just comes up. I don't know whose daughter she was, but like she just comes up and she grabs one of these things and she's so childlike. Guess what? The heart of the father says, I live. Oh, think about Evan's heart rate. Evan's heart rate was not what it was before. <laughs> Evan's heart rate when he yells that out is going, 
This is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father, his heart rate, think about this. Let me say this. The heart rate of the Father elevates when you praise him. The, let me say it this way, because, you know, like, you get a personalized God, you know, a little bit. Like, his eyebrows raise when you praise God. Hmm. Heart rate elevates, his eyebrows raise. You know, like, I, I, I tell people this story sometimes. Jeremy, you might have heard this, but oftentimes this is what I think about the picture of praise is that I know God is with us. I know he is always dwelling among us but this is i used to watch cartoons and when i would watch cartoons i would remember i think it was tom and jerry where uh there would be a woman who was cooking in the kitchen y'all remember watching cartoons cartoons i think it was tom and jerry and so when she would cook this you could see the scent or the aroma rising from where she would cook and it would go out it would find its way outside and it would make its way to the what to the dog house you guys remember you guys remember seeing this as a kid and what would happen to the dog would the dog wake up? No, the dog would not wake up. He would just start floating. He would be like. <laughs> I mean, like, and he'd, he'd float and he'd follow this scent and he would find himself in the kitchen. Listen, this is what happens in praise. What happens in praise is we, in the, in the lowest of the lowest valleys, in the highest of the highest mountains, and wherever circumstance you're in, whether you're in a mountain or whether you're in a valley, this is what happens. Somewhere the heart of the Father goes, Frisco, where's that? He knows where Frisco is, but you get my, you know, when I said it, I was like, he didn't say that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the heart of the father, the heart of the father, he finds himself in an atmosphere to where I can live here. I can dwell here. I can, we said this in pre-service, I, I can sit. That word enthroned. There's so many, like, there's so many layers to this. Inhabit, live, dwell, enthroned. He sits. He sits. Everybody say that word. He sits. He sits on the praises of his people. Imagine that. Imagine that. Take it, take, if we were going to, like, keep on going with this analogy think about what you're really doing when you clap your hands when you shout when you sing you're actually taking your hammer and you're taking your nail and you're building him a chair to come sit on and guess what happens I can't build this thing alone I need Jer Jeremy I need you to bring your hammer because he's got things He's hammers in a way that I can't build the complete chair for the Lord. Does that make sense? Like there's in, in, in the corporate, and I'm talking about like in a corporate setting. Does that make sense? This is why, this is why praise and for us all to get involved is so important because like, like, like Kevin, you bring a part of uh, the chair that I don't bring. Jacob, you bring a part of the chair that I don't bring. I can't build that part of the chair. So I need you. I need you to open up your mouth. I need you to sing. I need you to begin to start thanking the Lord because then the more we build this chair, the more he feels at home to where he can sit in the presence of us. Does it make sense? So the first benefit, I know this is simple and you were thinking other things, but the first benefit is that God inhabits, he lives, he dwells in the praises of his people. Isn't that so good? So simple, but it's the first benefit of what happens when we begin to start praising the Lord. Some of you think, man, why did we sing the good thing? You are good. You are good. We sang that for about 35, 45 minutes. Why did we do that? Because we were building him a big chair. 
we were building him a big chair tonight. He needed a big chair. Everybody with me on this? So, so, and and in, even in that little turn, it will turn your frustration into, oh, well, let's sing it for 55 minutes. Why didn't, why didn't we keep going? Skyler, why did y'all stop? Does that make sense? Like, you know, I mean, like, I, I have a hard time sometimes stop, stopping to pray. If you've ever heard me lead worship, like, you know, like, a lot of one, I sing this all the time. We love to give praise. We love to give praise. Why do I say that? Because I love to build him a chair. It's where he comes and where he sits. You know what I mean? I could, I could literally do a two-hour person just on thanks and praise and not get tired of it. Because what am I doing? I got my hammer. Some of you heard brick by brick, praise by praise, making my heart your esteem. Oh, would you come? Would you come? Would you come and inhabit the praises of your people? What am I saying? I'm just using churchy terms, but I am. Would you come and would you sit right here? Would you come and would you sit right here with us? Everybody still good? Bro, can you keep me on time? Good, okay. I got about another two hours to go. All right. I want, I want to stay on this first point. And this is what I want you to write down. It's kind of like sub-point outside of God inhabits the praise of his people. He lives in the praise of his people. He dwells there. This is what I want you to put. Anything is possible for God. Is that what I have? Anything is possible for God and every need is met when he's present. Let me say it again if you're writing down. Anything is possible for God, and every need is met when he is present. If you guys haven't figured out by now, I'm a storyteller, so I'll just tell you another story. Let me say it again. Any, anything is possible for God, and every need is met when he's present. Around that same time, the Lord would use Evan in another way. I'm so thankful for my son because the Lord has used him. In fact, I named him Evan Nathaniel because when, uh, I think in 2000, he was born in 2004, 2003 or 2004, sometime around that the book of John came out. You guys remember the book of John? It's an old movie, older movie. I say older, not older for me because I don't think I'm that old. But uh, there was a powerful scene in that movie and in the book, of, in, the, in that scene, Nathaniel finds Jesus, and, and you saw it in Scripture, but it, it was just a gripping uh, moment for me and my wife when we saw it. When Jesus sees Nathaniel, he, there's a clip, and it shows him underneath the fig tree, and he's doing all the things that a Jew would do. He's, he's, he's uh, folding something around his arm when he's praying. And you can see Nathaniel's kind of skeptical of him, and Jesus says to him, you go, oh, here's a, here's a true Israelite in whom there's new, no guile. And I knew when I heard that, when I saw that, something hit my spirit, and I knew I wanted to name, I knew I needed to name my son Nathaniel. So his name's Evan Nathaniel. And the Lord is using him to speak to me about several things, and I'm just using a couple examples tonight. So here's another story about every needs met when God is present. Uh, around that same age, Evan was nine, or eight or nine, sometime around there, um, and um, I took him uh, for... This was, I told you, I was at CFNI. I still teach at CFNI. And uh, they were doing a 50 hours of worship. They said, man, we're going to do 50 hours of worship and praise. And, um, and so the first night, I think it was Rick Pino. I, I remember Rick Pino was leading worship. And um, 
and I was over there school of worship. So I just went that night. I lived on campus, and so we just walked across campus, and I took my two oldest. I took Evan and my daughter's Rob, my daughter Robin, and so we go and we sit in the very back. So if I mean it's a, I don't know if some of you have been at CFNI, but it's a it's a big room. But imagine me sitting back by the sound booth, kind of in the back, about three or four rows up from the back. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm enjoying worship, and I'm just, I'm worshiping uh, with Robin's on my right-hand side, Evan's on my left-hand side. And I lean over to Evan, and I said, hey, Evan, has the Lord said anything to you? And he said, this is what he said. He goes, not yet. And even that, it just really blessed me, because it wasn't, no, there was something in him that knew the Lord was going to speak to him. I did, I know, and he probably didn't even realize what he said. I don't know if he did, but that, even that just really spoke to me. He said, not yet. So there was this eager anticipation of him from hearing from the Lord. And so for maybe five or ten minutes, I leaned back over and I said, Evan, have, have you heard anything? And he said, this is what he said. He goes, I saw Jesus. And I go, where is he? That's what I said. I said, where is he? And he goes, well, he, so, and it's kind of like the layout. So he, he, this is what he said. He was looking over here. And there's a side door inside. He said, well, he came in through that side door. And listen, I want to tell you, at this point, to this point in Evan's life, I had never told Evan in heaven, Jesus wears a white, or Jesus wears a white robe. You know, and I'd never told him what he wears. Does that make sense? And uh, not that if you've done that, I don't, I just hadn't done that up until this point in his life. So he has no idea what. Jesus might or might not be wearing, but when he, when he when he describes Jesus walking in his room, he says he was wearing a he was wearing a long white robe, and a, he said like a a blue, and he didn't know the name sash. He used to, he was wearing a a blue like thing across his a shoulder in his chest, and I said I said what do you do? And I'm just I'm at this point I'm like the kid you know, like, and and then what, and then what. And then what? I'm like on every word, you know, like, and, uh, and this is what he said. He goes, he just started walking up and down the aisles and touching people. So in the middle of worship, I mean, it wasn't spectacular. I mean, it wasn't like, it, there wasn't gold dust. That's why I'll say that. There wasn't gold dust that night. Just normal worship, normal praise going on. And think about that. I mean, even, I, I'm about to get something else, but like, just the thought of that, in the middle of praise, you may not see him, but in the middle of praise, Jesus is walking down an aisle going. This is what I, when I think about just that, this is what I think about. How many diseases did I have that I didn't know that I had? Because he touched me before it was ever diagnosed. Ever, you ever think about that? Like in heaven... You ever think about, I mean, like, really, like, I mean, I'm glad for testimony on earth, but I'm really happy and excited about testimony in heaven, because one day, probably, I'll be standing in heaven, and, and somebody will go, you know, you had this, and I'll go, I never knew I had that, and Jesus will go, yeah, you remember when you were 23, and remember that worship, remember that time you were driving in your car, and you were just singing, you had the radio off, and you were just singing, I met you there, and I healed you of that. Isn't that exciting? I'm, re I'm, I'm ready for, like, the round table and, the, and like, give, being in heaven to where we find out. These are the things I didn't know. Because how many people did he touch in that room who didn't, knew they had something and were healed, but how many people did he touch that didn't know they had something and he healed them? So powerful, right? 
And so this is what happened. So he said Jesus was walking up and down the aisles and he was touching people just in the middle of worship. And then, like I told you, I was just like a kid and I said, yeah, and, and then what? And then he said he walked down the aisle and there's an exit door, you know, just down the seat from where we were sitting. And he said he got to the door and right before he walked, he said he grabbed hold of the door and this is what he did. I, I want you all to see this. Because Evan's describing this to me. He said he grabbed the door and right before he walked out, he looks over at Evan, and he goes like this. And he winks at him. He winks at Evan, and then he walks out. And I'm, I'm, I'm blessed by the story. I'm really touched by the story. But this is what I want to encourage you, and this is what I said right after he told me that story. I was just amazed at it. I was amazed at the whole thing. But this is what I said to the Lord. I said, Lord, what's in a wink? What's in a wink? Because, you know, you, I know, I, I might know what's in a wink for me, but what's in a wink for you? What's in a wink for you? And, and the moment I said this, I want everybody to hear this. The moment I said, Lord, what's, what's in a wink? I see myself as an 11-year-old boy on a baseball team, and I'm standing on the pitcher's mound. I played sports when I was a kid. My dad was my coach. And I want you to see this. When I was a kid, I told you a little bit about my story, but most of the time when I was playing sports, it was based out of performance. I, I played sports mainly to get my dad to love me, to feel loved by my dad. And so when I was a kid, I didn't feel too loved by my dad except for when I would perform really good. And I can remember standing on a pitcher's mound, and I can remember, you know, Lord, I remember throwing a strike, and I remember looking over at my dad. My dad would say, rock and fire, Jonathan, rock and fire. That's what he would say. And I can remember throwing a strike and looking over at my dad. And this is the picture I saw when I said what's in a wink. I see myself standing on the pitcher's mound looking at my dad, and his leg is up against the fence, and he looks at me, and he goes. And I remember as an 11-year-old boy feeling so loved and so valued. And I began to think about what I had just seen, and I began to think about what the Lord had just given to my son. The Lord gave to my son, I love you. He might not have said, I love you, but he looked at him and gave him the look of approval. He looked at him and gave him the look of value. He looked at him and gave him the look of love. Let me say this again. Every need is met when God is present. My son, at nine years old, probably, I don't know, probably has a need that he doesn't even know he has. But I guarantee you, and this is my, I want to share with you, I want to share with you that my prayer for my son is when he's, he's 17 right now, is when he's 17, when he's 21, when he's 42, when he's 63, is that he'll remember that wink. And that that wink will stay with him for the rest of his life. Every need is met when God is present. This is the beauty of building God a seat to where he comes and he sits. He comes and dwells and he comes and touches a place of healing. He comes and touches a place of brokenness. Anybody with me? 
So this, this praise thing is big to me. That's why when, when, I, when we sing, I love to give praise. I love to give praise. I, because I know somebody's getting a wink in the room. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay on this a little bit longer, and I'm gonna stay, and I might, I might sing this a little bit longer to frustrate you. And you may get in your flesh a little bit, but I'm gonna sing it long enough because somebody needs a wink. Somebody needs a, Donovan needs a wink, right? And in the middle of him over there playing bass, all right? Y'all love him when, I love him when he plays bass, and he's over there singing. I, I love watching him sing. You know, some musicians don't sing. You ever seen that? Now I watch it, I look over at Donovan, Donovan's like, in the highest mountain, in the lowest. And I'm like, God, wink at him. Wink at him, God. I love it. And he's, he's helping us build the chair. He's helping us build a seat. Everybody say this. God inhabits the praises of his people. All right, number two. We good? 51, 651. I'm not going to get through five. I can, I can do it. All right, number two. All right, number two. Praise. You're right, because this one's going to take a long time. Number two. Praise is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Praise is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Now, I want to change some of your mind, because sometimes, like, in, church, in the church that I grew up and in some of the institutions that I've been in, places that I've been in, just church, how many of you know, like, when somebody says, hey, let's, go, let's enter into spiritual warfare? This is the picture that I always get, or that I usually always get, when we say, hey, let's enter into, how many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Hey, let's enter into some spiritual warfare. This is usually what I think I got to do. Everybody thinks I'm spiritual. Yeah, good. And sometimes this is what happens. I think if we would learn this principle from Second Chronicles, what we're about to read, is the principle of praise and what praise does. And I think sometimes when we think spiritual warfare, hey, let's enter into some spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Good God, you are so, like, we just need to sing. You might need to dance. You might need to shout. We won't do it tonight. Yes, we will. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right. I want to show you, everybody listen. I want to show you how, how just, how sometimes, how like soulish and fleshy we can think. All right. This is what I want you to do. Just the person next to you. All right. If you don't have anybody next to you, just. Look at somebody, all right? And I want you to look them right in the eye, all right? I want you to look them right in the eye, all right? Look them. No, don't look away. Don't look away. That's the rule. I always do this with my students, so you got to do it, all right? Don't look away. And on the count of three, I want you to just shout as loud as you can. Ready? One, two, three. Hey! Whoa! All right, now this is what I want you to do. I want everybody in the room to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to do the same thing. One, two, three. Hey, those were actually both good. Usually I don't get those good. Like you, you guys have been trained well up here. So usually when I do that exercise, usually the first one is like this. It's usually if I'm doing it with Jeremy, it's usually like this. <laughs> And the reason why is because I'm not thinking about how funny he looks. I'm thinking about how funny I look. 
How many of you felt that when you were looking at somebody? You weren't thinking like, man, you look silly. You were thinking, I look dumb right now. I look silly right now. But when you closed your eyes, you had no idea. You weren't thinking that people were watching you. Does that make some sense? So sometimes like the, the simple act, this is what I was talking about, the washing part. Sometimes the simple obedience of going, gets me just like, it gets me out of my flesh because it like, okay, now I can just be ridiculous now. You know what I mean? And I don't have to be so put up and like think about what you're, because you already think I'm a fool. And this is the beauty of what I think David was doing. David was saying to his wife, hey, listen, I'm going to be more undignified than this. So if you think I look silly now, I just, I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. In the first year of my, of my reign, I'm going to go ahead and get this out now because I'm going to be way more undignified than this. Isn't this so good, right? So uh, let's go quickly. Praise is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Satan, uh, let's read this, because this is powerful. Uh, Psalm 8, verse 2. Can you turn there real quick? Can you turn there in your Bibles? So I want you to see something. I want you to see what Jesus does here. Psalm 8, verse 2. When you're there, say amen. <laughs> that was a quick. Everybody still good? Now look at this, Psalm 8, verse 2. I'll start in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now watch this. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established what? Strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. Everybody say, to steal the enemy and the avenger. Now, for a long time, I thought that might be the only place that that scripture is in the Bible. This is not the only place that this scripture is in the Bible. Everybody turn over to Matthew, let me see, Matthew 21, 16. And we're gonna see Jesus quote this scripture. Let me set up the story here a little bit. So Jesus is, you guys remember the story, he's cleansing the temple. You guys remember? Jesus is gonna start cleansing the temple let me see where we're at. New Bible, 2116. And at the end of him cleansing the temple, the chief priests are going to say something to him. I'll start in verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to the temple, and he healed them. But the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Woo! And they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read what we just read? Now watch this. You think that Jesus would just quote verbatim what was in the psalm, but he changes something. Now watch this. He says, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared, you have prepared praise. Some other script, some other versions say this, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have perfected praise. So I know some of you are like, what's the tie? The tie in Psalm is to strength. Jesus is tying strength to praise, which doesn't make sense. In our natural mind, if you need strength, you rest. 
Jesus is saying, if you need strength, open up your mouth and begin to thank me for what happened at 14. If you need strength, open up your mouth and start thanking me for what happened at 26. Because in the midst of something, in the, like this, this thing sw like switches in the middle of my weakness, and I begin to start thanking him. I, I remember what I said earlier. I actually, and I almost did it right then. I actually start to preach to myself. Lord, I thank you that you love me at 14 and you love me now. You, you, you actually turn into a Stephen Furtick and you begin to like start preaching your own messages. And you're like, you're, and, and then you're like, what did I just say? You just started to praise. And then how many of you have actually felt this? Sometimes I feel it in like corporate settings, like at the end of like a, a, an hour long or a 45 minute, however long we worship, like I feel like I could run through a wall. You ever felt like that? I mean, like you feel like, like where's the, you, and you feel like, where's the enemy? Where's he at? <laughs> I mean, you almost like, start, oh, you, I mean, like, and you came in tired. So Jesus himself is tying praise to strength. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have perfected praise. You have prepared praise. Isn't this beautiful? This makes like the first 30, 45 minutes, like, again, like I said, why aren't we stopping? Let's keep going. Whew. Let's run through a wall. Where's the enemy? Who's, who's sick? Listen, if you really get this, you start going, who's sick? Who's sick? Who's depressed right now? Because you can't be depressed around me. You can't be, and you start acting like the, like the disciples started acting. You start getting this place of so much faith being built up in yourself. Does that make sense? Woo! All right, so um, praise invites Christ. I want you to write this down. Praise invites Christ to come and fight on our behalf. I want to tell one more story, and then I will read a scripture. Is that okay? All right, good. This, this is good, right? So, everybody know Graham Cook? Yeah. Graham Cook tells this story. I want you to see it here and here. Uh, Satan stands silent and dumbfounded before our praise. Praise causes panic and confusion. We're going to get to that. But Graham Cook tells this story, and, I, and Graham, if you're listening to my podcast, if you're listening to Frisco's podcast, just forgive me because I'm going to butcher it. But he tells this story. It's so beautiful. He says, uh, I think it, it was either a dream or a vision that he got caught up in. And he said, in the midst of this, I'll, I'll just call it a dream for the sake of this. He, he said, in the midst of this dream, he said he was standing in this meadow. And, in the, and he was standing on one side of the meadow. And on the other side of the meadow, he saw like a whole army a whole army on the other side of the meadow. And he, said, he says that they were coming at him. And he can feel in the dream, he can feel the weight of this army approaching him. Does that make sense? Everybody, you got the visual, you're with me? And so he can, he can sense it. Everybody understand, he can sense it. And so like even as I'm talking, I want to build this like so you can feel it. And he says in the middle of him looking at the army, he sees like out of the side, like where it pops out of nowhere, like a court jester. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, like a court jester. When I think, whenever I think of a court jester, I think of like the, the, the clown hat, you know, with the four, or joker, you know. I don't know why I think of that. But he says like this clown, this jester, court jester, comes out from the side and he looks at him and he Graham Cook's like English. I'm going to try to copy it. But he says, 
the court gesture goes to him. He pops out in front of me, and he's really lighthearted, and he goes, mustard or mayonnaise, sir? And Graham says, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, like, you know, you see what's going on here? And the guy totally just ignores the whole situation. He goes, mustard or mayonnaise, sir? And he says, don't you see, like, what's happening? There's a whole army approaching. And he says the same thing, mustard or mayonnaise, sir? He goes, I, what, I don't know what you're talking, what are you talking about? He goes, on your sandwich, what would you like, mustard or mayonnaise? And he said, what are you talking about? There's no sandwiches. He goes, oh, right here, there's a feast. There's a feast in the presence of your enemies. Mustard or mayonnaise, sir? <laughs> so, like, listen, in the midst of, like, y'all ever felt like, and I know that that's a visual, like, an army thing. None of us usually in this room, I don't know of anybody unless you're in the army, like are coming against an army, but you know what I'm talking about. When you have something and it's causing something to manifest in you, you know what you just, you know what you should just tell yourself from now on? That's it. <laughs> Mustard or mayonnaise. And, and this is what you could do. You could look at that army right in the face and go, Mustard or mayonnaise. Hey, do you want mustard or mayonnaise? That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom is he prepares a table in the presence of our enemy. So I feast at the table. Enemy, come down here and sit at the table. Because I didn't prepare this feast. He prepared the feast, right? And you were just as lost as I was until he brought me into the kingdom. So you need to sit down at this table and see him for yourself. You want mustard? I'm taking mustard. No, mayonnaise. I'm a mayonnaise guy. All right? Mustard and mayonnaise. Everybody say mustard and mayonnaise. All right, we'll end with this. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 20. Turn there real quick. I love, 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 love this story. And it's, this story has built so much faith in me. It's building. I shouldn't say built because I'm still alive. Did y'all catch that? All right, I'm going to read it all, okay? I'm going to read almost all the chapter. And as I just read it, I'm going to pray, Lord, would you, would you come and would you build faith? Just as we read your word, you authored this word. And so would you come and would you build faith for the place of praise, for the place of weakness and vulnerability, maybe sickness, um, maybe depression. I don't know what it is. But, Lord, would you just come build faith uh, through your word? Amen. So chapter 20, I'm going to start in verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and uh, with them were some Midianites. So three armies, I want you to see that, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and beyond they are in Hazazon Tamar, and this is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah, all Judah. And all Judah assembled, and Judah assembled, sorry, to seek him from the, to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, oh Lord, I'll, I'm going to read this. And I want you to hear the language of Jehoshaphat because this has actually helped me in my language to him. Jehoshaphat is going to stand before the Lord. I want you to, see, we're about to see this. 
But Jehoshaphat is, is gonna stand before the Lord and the people, and Jehoshaphat's gonna start reminding the Lord of what he's done, and he's gonna start reminding the Lord of his promises to him and his people. It's beautiful language, because sometimes we think that we can't approach God like this, but there are times where you stand before God and said, God, you said, you said come to Frisco. You said, come to Dallas. You said, go here. And now this is happening. And I want to remind you of your word. Watch Jehoshaphat. This is so bold and beautiful. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly in Judah and Jerusalem in the court of the Lord before the, before the court and said, O Lord God of our... I get so excited. I can't even read. That's all, folks. O Lord... God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of all of the nations, and in your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and give it to give it to forever the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they came and lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you just, how many of you just, like parents, you need to just go stand in your house and go, your name is in this house. This is beautiful language. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel the Lord's just reminding them who you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your, out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, watch this, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, the son, and the sons of Asaph in the midst of the great, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, listen to this, tomorrow go out against them. Behold, they will come up from the ascent of Siz, and you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then, everybody say then. then. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of, and the, Levites of the Kohathites, or the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekia. And the, how many of you feel in faith, right? How many of you just through the word, you're feeling faith, all right? And this is so good, verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekia and went 
And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord our God, and you will be established. Whoa, I like that word. Some of you are just like the Lord's wanting to establish you. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he, is, when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, watch this, give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's not many lyrics, right? That's not many lyrics. Imagine them just keep, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I mean, I listen, I saw that and I began to practice this. So I would get in my car and I would turn off my radio and I would drive to wherever I was going. And the whole time I would just sing those lyrics. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, his mercy endures forever. And like for like two years, I would do this whenever I was in my car. And I would just fill my car with this lyric right here. Now watch this, verse 22. Isn't this so good? And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who came, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of, watch this, this is so beautiful. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. <laughs> and when they had made all the inhabitants of Seir, they helped they all helped to destroy one another. Here's the beautiful part. And when Judah, Judah, the, it, the Israelites don't even see this. This is what's beautiful. The Israelites just walk up. When Judah came to the watchtowers of the wilderness, watch this. This is so powerful. They looked towards the horde and, be, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they, until they could carry no more. They were there for three days in taking the spoil, and it was much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for, uh, for there they blessed the Lord. There... For the name of the place has been called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Uh, when they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat uh, at their head, returning to, uh, to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Isn't this beautiful? They came to Jerusalem. I, I want to finish this because I want to get to the end of the verse, in, around verse 30. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the, to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of all the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against their enemies of Israel. Watch this, verse 30. I want you to underline, highlight this, whatever you do in your Bible. I want you to watch this because this is the result of you opening up your mouth and saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. This is what happens. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. For his God gave him rest all around. I like some other versions because it says, because, it, because God gave them rest on every side. Listen, the benefit of you singing is that God will put you at rest. 
You'll look to the, the family situation that was causing something and you'll one day go, you'll go to face it and it won't be there. Anybody in the room facing like family things, just weird family things, like family dynamics, you know, like things that just happen. You're like, man, what is going on here? Just like, it's, it feels unsettling. Guess what you should do? Turn off your radio, get inside of your car and start saying, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Do that for six months, do that for a year, do that for two years, and then look again at that family thing and see if it's still there. If it's still there, turn the radio off again and start singing it again. A sickness, you could do the same thing for a sickness. If you have a sickness in your body, right? God wants to settle that thing in you. Just turn off your radio and start to give thanks for your healthy body. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. I know that I'm whole and healed and delivered. I know that I'm healed and set free from this sickness. Thank you, Lord, for healing my body. And then about three months later, maybe you look at that thing and go, wait, whoa, whoa, I didn't even notice that thing was gone. What? When did that happen? And guess what? You're at peace on all sides. Isn't this beautiful? Let's stand up for a minute. I got three more points, but maybe Jeremy will invite me back. That's, that was really my goal. I, I said five. I knew I was going to get to two just so he'd invite me back. I'm just kidding. But listen, I want everybody, everybody stand up. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your hands. And I want you, no music, I want you to begin just to thank the Lord. Just begin to thank the Lord. Maybe earlier I had asked you to kind of get in your mind about some of those pillars. Like for me, 14, 26, 33, 35. And I just, I want you to just grab out of the air one of those pillars that you have in your life. And I just want you to just to settle yourself around that and just begin to start thanking the Lord. It's okay, you can open your mouth. I'll do it too so you feel comfortable. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that when I was 26 and I had no idea how much you loved me, you came and met me with your love and your mercy. I thank you that when I was 26 and had no idea how much the Father thought of me, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you led me to the Father. I thank you for a man who was delivered and set free from orphanhood. I thank you that that was me, that you delivered me from being an orphan. I thank you that you delivered me from shame and guilt and oppression. And I thank you that you delivered me into being your son. I thank you, Father. I thank you. Come on, just begin to lift your voice. That's it. It's like, this, we're all going to do it, so it's okay that you just lift your voice. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I give thanks to you for your mercy was always good. I give thanks to you because your mercy was always present. I give thanks to you because your mercy was always there. I give thanks to you because your mercy was always good. I give thanks to you because you were always good. I give thanks to you because you are always thinking of me. I give thanks to you because your, your affection is set upon me. I give thanks to you because you are no respecter of person and you love each of us equally. So Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Father, I'm asking that in this room, 
that we would build you a chair. I'm asking, Lord, that in this room, that on in Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Thursday evenings, Tuesday mornings, Monday nights, however often we gather in this room, that we would learn the value of thanksgiving, that we would learn the value of praise, that we would learn the value of coming with our hammer, that we would learn the value of coming with our nail, and that we would come with our wood and we would build you a seat of honor, that we would be build you a seat of gratitude and honor, Lord, that you would come and that you would inhabit, that you would come and live, that your, I, I pray that as we gather in this room, that your heart rate would elevate, that your heart rate would like, it would go up because you sense something going on in this room. So Father, I thank you for a divine, divine place of thanksgiving, a divine place of praise in this room. So Father, we thank you. Lord, I just pray over each person. If there's anyone sick in this room, I thank you that you have that you, that you sent your word. And I thank you that you sent your word and that you healed every person of their disease. I thank you that they are completely healed and whole. And so, Father, we just command healing upon their body right now. In the name of Jesus, we say sickness. You can't stay there any longer. You have to leave that body. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just tell the Lord thank you one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.